What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Emily Chase. So Emily, what is it that you do? So first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is actually my first podcast interview ever. So I'm really pumped. Uh, So I am a fashion stylist and I run an Instagram page um, that focuses mainly on encouraging people to dress for themselves every day, uh, as well as kind of how to feel confident in your own personal style and trying to educate that that's got nothing to do with the clothes to wear, that it's all an internal job. And then what you put on your body will just help your own personal, uh, power kind of shine through because it's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. So what made you want to do something like that. <laughs> uh, it's been a journey. Um, I, I was drawing since I was a kid. And uh, as I got older, it's like my teen years, it progressed into starting to design clothes and getting really, really into fashion. And once I graduated high school, I was able to go to the New Brunswick College of Craft and Design here in Fredericton and to do their fashion major. And uh, I was convinced I was going to be a fashion designer. That's what I told everybody from like very young up until college. I was convinced and I did the entire fashion program and, you know, nothing against that program, but it's very focused on the overall construction of a garment, learning to go from concept to pattern to 3D garment. And um, it's a very tough thing to do. And I am not naturally gifted that way like math is not my my game at all and uh so during that time I started working retail as well as a broke college student and uh I worked for dynamite and I started getting more of an education on styling because I was working with people every single day and uh teaching people how to dress their bodies and I found that I really really loved it and then I kind of continued working retail for years. Cause at that time, granted, this was like 10 years ago. So the whole influencer thing was not a thing yet. Instagram was just barely a thing. Um, so that was really the only way I knew how I could stay in fashion. And I just continued getting this secondary education in styling and fashion. And, um, long story short, I was starting my Instagram had been going for a couple of years up until this point. And I had a friend of mine reach out and ask me if I pay you, like if we come up with a contract and a fee, will you style me? She's this newly single mom. She wanted to kind of reinvent her look. She was tired of not being comfortable in her clothing. And, uh, she's like, would you do that for me? And I just, she's a really good friend of mine. I just said, sure. Why not? Let's do it. And, and now here we are. So it's kind of become, it was just kind of a natural progression. Once I realized I didn't want to 
do the overall like designing and constructing of clothes, this kind of was the natural next step. Right. Cool. I mean, that not that my path went sort of that way either, but I did have a realization when I started to dig into the fashion industry that, well, it is a lot more about like construction and pat. And I was it just is. like, I am not really interested <laughs> in that side of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the funny thing is that my grandmother is a very talented seamstress. She did quilting her whole life. And my she taught my mom how to sew. My mom taught me how to sew. Like I was doing the whole as a kid making clothes for the Barbies and then making clothes for myself and repurposing stuff. And so it was kind of a bit of a surprise when I went to the program, expecting it to go smoothly and then actually struggling through it and realizing, Oh, this is not for me. This is not mm-hmm. where I'm meant to be under the umbrella of fashion. Right. Wow. So you said you're in Fredericton. I, for some reason, I, I thought you were PEI. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm in New Brunswick. Uh, love PEI though. I don't get okay. to go as often, but no, I'm in. Uh, I'm in NBA. Yeah. Okay. Um. Did you grow up there? I did. Yes. Yes. I'm a maritimer, born and raised. Um, and I so I grew up a little bit closer to Edmonston, and then I came to school here in Fredericton after high school, mostly because I was too small town to apply anywhere other than New Brunswick. I looked at NASCAD. I looked at Richard Robinson, like all of these places in Nova Scotia and Ontario. And I was just a frightened little 18 year old. So I was like, no, I'll stay close to home. Um, and then I actually was after that, I lived in New Brunswick for another seven years um, after college and then actually moved to Ottawa for two years. And we've just recently come back. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, so when you, you mentioned something to me that I thought was interesting. Well, first of all, like you've got these illustrations that, that seem to tie into your, uh, styling and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but you mentioned the idea of changing what you thought an art career could or would look like. Yeah. Well, like I said, I thought I had it all at like 16 in high school and I was filling a sketchbook every single day. Or not, sorry, that's exaggerating. We'll say every month. Um, But, uh, and I thought I had it all figured out of what direction I was going to do. I was going to be this massive fashion designer and I was going to uh, just be able to create in that way. And I always used to say, whenever I was asked, what's your dream job? I would say, if I could just sit in a room and draw and be paid for it, I'd be set. I'd be so happy. Um, and then, like I already said, once I got into the whole fashion design aspect of it, I realized that, oh, this is not it. This is not yeah. where I want to be. And um, the drawing, it was just, like I said, I've been drawing since I was a little kid. And then um, I actually kind of put it aside because in those seven years after college, I became a parent as well. And uh, I kind of put it aside and I was like well it's okay fine like you know you assume that if you don't do it in your 20s then it's just not gonna happen and right and so I was like oh well I was uh, 26 and I became a mom and I was like well I didn't do anything with it so okay I guess it's just a talent that I have and I'll just you know I'll do work art for my daughter's room and then 
like and that's it and that always bothered me and I was like no I was like no I'm not meant to just ignore it so it actually took our move to Ottawa for me to pick it back up again um, I joined a charity board and I was handling their PR and we were having a gallery event and they all knew I could draw and they were like well you need to submit something and it was the first time in five or six seven years that I had even picked up a brush or picked up anything and that kind of got the ball rolling with my Instagram because uh, I st- on my my original uh, goal for that Instagram page was to sell my work. It, it is so far left field of what it is now, <laughs> but it, it kind of took on a life of its own. But um, and I was doing very well, and then the pandemic hit, and it was the first time I actually had to. I'm so tired of this word pivot, mm-hmm. but. Uh, and because nobody was, or I was doing watercolor and ink commissions at the time and nobody was ordering them anymore because nobody wanted to come pick them up. And I certainly, at the beginning of the pandemic, I certainly didn't want to be going around to random houses, dropping stuff off because uh, there's so much fear back then. And uh, so I have a gigantic iPad with an Apple pencil that was gifted to me a couple of years prior. And I just decided to mess around with some digital illustrations. Uh, and then the light kind of got switched on and I was like, oh, these are, these are easy because when they're done, I can just email it. I can text it. I can shoot it in a DM. And uh, so that kind of started the ball rolling and I started trying to sell commissions on digital stuff. And I did some t-shirt designs and all of that. Uh, and then once we moved back to New Brunswick, my illustrations again, kind of took a different direction where I had a ton of friends in Ontario that were now no longer able to come visit me in New Brunswick. And I wasn't able to show them around anymore because we're all locked down. So I figured I would just start doing little illustrations of local spots in my city. So I could just give them shout outs and be like, look, when, when you can come visit, these are the spots we have to go. These are the spots we have to see. And it's just, springboarded everything else like uh I yeah so the shopping soulmate page kind of took another left turn and it became more of a lifestyle thing but I'm so happy about it because I can finally use my talent for drawing and art and everything in a constructive way and it's actually people are enjoying them and they're ordering them and yeah so it's not at all where I thought it would go, but I'm enjoying the journey. <laughs> nice, nice. Have you uh, considered approaching or have you been approached by say like the New Brunswick government from a, like a tourism standpoint? You know what, you're the second person to bring that up. <laughs> um, I have somebody else who suggested like doing like a tourism book or something. So we'll see, I think that might, now that a second person has brought it up to me, I think <laughs> it, we might have to make that happen. Yeah, like notable locations or something like that. For uh, sure. I don't know. Nobody steal it. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, anyone's listening can make that happen, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, you talked about the, the art. What do you do for fun? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Um, <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Um, I because I think you can agree when you turn your passion into your uh, main job or main, it's, you have to try to find enjoyment in other things because 
you know, the, the quote is, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And that's nonsense. Like it's still exhausting and it's work. Yes. So I actually love, yes. So I actually love to cook. Oh, nice. um, I look at it as a different form of creating. Um, my daughter has an anaphylactic egg allergy, which we found out when she was like one, like oh. one and a half. And uh, so because of that, I had to learn to cook for her because she has to eat a lot of stuff clean, a lot of stuff from scratch because we have to know what's in it. Right. Um, and it's, I just look at it. Yeah. It's like another form of creating for me and I absolutely love it. Um, it's the only thing that I refuse to like put on my page or put on my socials and start promoting. And, and, uh, I always say, I'm like, it's the last thing I have, like it's the last hobby that I have that I don't have to think about monetizing or posting or planning. So like, isn't that wild no, that we, our brains do that? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Maybe it's just our brains. It's just artist brains that do this. Like, but I know it's, it's terrible. You think, and you know what? I talk about that too, having healthy boundaries when you're on social media, the way I am, like when you're doing the influencer content creator job, I call it a job because it is a lot of work. Um, it's very easy once you start getting a little bit of momentum to want to share more and get more, mm -hmm. um, to be like, Oh, well you like this aspect. Well, here, here's another part of my life and here's another part and here's my family and here's, and then when you need a break and somewhere to retreat, you have nowhere to go nowhere because to go. everything has, you've put everything up there. And, um, so like my boundaries, you'll never see my daughter on my main account. I don't have, a, I only have one account. I don't have like a private one or anything like that. You'll never see her on there because I look at it as, um, I know some parent family pages say that they'll ask their child or ask. And I go, my daughter's five. She legally can't right, like, right. she has no way of understanding the grand scope of what we're doing. And, uh, see with my partner, my partner's very private. They could care less if they're ever on <laughs> online ever again. And so I keep those boundaries and, uh, it's, I think it's the healthiest way to approach putting yourself in the public eye, because when I do need to kind of separate or take a break, I have places I can go. And on the flip side of that, I have people in my life who are doing this as well, who I can come to when I need help or guidance or anything like that. And yeah, I just think that if that's the one piece of advice I could give for anyone who wants to start an artist or anyone who wants to start is that you've got to have those set boundaries and not be willing to compromise on them because it can happen really, really fast. Yeah. I hear you. So I'm, I'm currently actually running five Instagram accounts right now. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, four of them are mine, but like I, I had my art page. I used to have my, my old brand, Big Literati. So I've got that account that I never yes. shut down. Cause I was like, what yeah. if I want to use it again? Sure. Now I've got the art pays me account, which is my main account. And then I've got, I said, Oh, I'm going to start a personal account where I can just, cause sometimes I just wanted to post random stuff without feeling like yeah. I had to do the brand. And then I started thinking, of course, the monetizing brain starts going. And I'm like, oh, yes, maybe I should focus that one on my art and, yes. and not, you know, and yeah. then people how can like, I make this productive? <laughs> how can I be more productive with this thing? Yes. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah. And then like people would see my dog in posts. So people kept saying, you should do an Instagram for your dog. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I've got yes. a dog. <laughs> I haven't like, done that yet. But he, <laughs> Do you need sponsorship and all of that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Actually, the only member of my family that does show up is my dog. Because I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> no one's coming at me for my golden retriever. It's all good. So, um, and it is kind of a testament to show, like, how you have to keep in mind that everything you see online is not always the whole story. Yeah. Because my page is only like a sliver of what's going on in my life. Um, but, and the other side of that too, I think you could relate to this as a parent as well. I spent so long just focusing on my child and focusing on her and doing everything she wanted that when I started this page, um, another reason I chose to keep her off it, I was like, I just want one thing. I just want one thing that's got nothing to do with my life as a parent. Like I just want, because I was like, I, I know that I'm more than just a mom. Like I've got more to offer and more uh, of my story to tell. And so, yeah, I think that's just the parent struggle though. You're trying to hold on to your identity outside of having to look after these little humans. Yeah, well, that's a, a good segue because, um, you know, I, I often feel some some parental guilt uh, for how dedicated I am. Do you ever feel like, I mean, it's, it's more pronounced with women for sure, but like, do you ever feel like societal pressure or people like making you feel externally guilty for the stuff you do? Oh, oh, I don't need people to make me guilty. I do that all by myself. <laughs> uh Oh, definitely. Oh, hundred percent. And I think it's especially with the family, like I grew up with and stuff. Um, it took them a long time to take this seriously and to yeah. really think of it as, no, this is like actual work. This is my actual, like, I know now that I'm in alignment with what I was always meant to be doing. Cause so many of my characteristics are matched with this. And it took them a long time. Cause I would say, well, you know, I would ask for babysitters or anything. And it's like, oh, well, I just need like an hour. I, I just need to batch some content. And it was never really taken very seriously. Or I would complain, like, it's so hard to shoot, like when we're locked down because my daughter's not in school. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that must like it was I always found it was never really fully taken as seriously as, as if I was saying, oh, I've got an office job that I have to do online and I'm home with my kid. And it's very difficult to balance like. And maybe it's just me, but I feel like sometimes like I have to over justify it. And it's like, hmm. well, no, it's actually a lot of work. It's, it's actually a lot of work. And I actually remember I was out with a, a girlfriend of mine and we were going to like some festival. This is this past summer. And a lot of businesses involved in this festival knew that I was coming and I had posted. So in the influencer world, that means that while I'm there, like I need to be doing context. My followers were wanting to see how it went, how my day was going, what I restaurants I went to. And so I was posting all day long and my friend just watched me. And then later on that night, she looked at me and she's like, that looks like a lot of work. I was like, it is. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> I was like, nobody really notices, but yes. It, and I find that's what happens. Like all I have to do is kind of show people and educate them. Well, no, this is what I do. And I don't just shoot one 
15 second video a day and call it good. I'm usually doing four or five once a week. I've set out time and I was like, cause it's like, you can't just shoot and post. That's not how it works. Like you need to shoot and those captions and the hashtags and the, and the algorithm and getting your posting at the peak times. Like there's a lot of brain power that goes behind it, but uh, yeah, no, definitely. But there's definitely some external guilt, but I think the mom guilt is just, it's worse. Uh, Cause I will go up and shoot and I know my child is fine. Uh, but then internally I'm like, Oh, I'm ignoring her. I'm not playing with her. I'm not when it's really, and the grand scheme of things, it's like half an hour out of mm-hmm. the day, but yeah. So, Oh, for sure. That hundred percent mm-hmm. is a real yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. Did you um, set any New Year's resolutions? You know, I'm not, I've learned that if I immediately call something a resolution, uh, it guarantees I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I will just set like an intent. It's, I know it's the exact same thing, but for some reason, when I say resolution, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's not going to happen. So I'll set like little small intentions and I won't really say them out loud. I'll just set them. So this year it was really just to read more. And I don't know if it's the artist in me, but uh, growing up, reading a book was like torment. Like I was like, I have to sit still and look, I can't do that. Like I could maybe do it for two minutes. And then I was like, no, I have to get up and I have to do something. And, and then even as a parent, like you sit down and you look, you're like, well, the dishes have to be done. Well, this needs to be picked up. Like I cannot sit still. And, um, so this year I was like, well, actually started this past summer. We went away for a lake weekend and it was July 1st weekend. And it might as well have been November because it was freezing and pouring rain and we couldn't go anywhere. And I had picked up a couple books to take with me thinking I'd look at them maybe once. And I read the first one through and I got through half of the second and I was like, Oh, Okay. I might do this a little bit more. So this year it's to get through some more books. And I think I'm doing all right. I've read um, two so far and I'm quarter way through a third. So fingers crossed that it sticks. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I would like to actually read more too. I, I did buy two books just this <laughs> week. So hopefully I can actually. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the trick is buying the books that you're actually like, forgetting about what you think you should be reading and just buying sure. ones that you're just fully curious or interested about. Um, I, um, this is going to seem random, but the movie in the movie, Molly's game, I'm obsessed with that movie, but, uh, they talk about the book, the crucible. I had never read it. And so they kept talking about it and I was like, I'm so curious. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to, it's like this big, it's just such a tiny little book. And I got it and I was like, I'm just going to read it. And I got through it in like two days and I was like, that was great. Cause I was fully interested in it. And so I think that's just the not being embarrassed about what you're interested in. Just pick something that you're like, no, I want to learn more about it. So, cause I find that's, cause if I'm interested in something, I'll focus on it. But mm-hmm. if I don't care, then I, I'm not going <laughs> to give it much of my attention. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I get that. Um, so do you have any uh, influencers that sort of inspired you in this, this world? Uh, 
first one comes off the top of my head is Allie Beckwith. She's in New Brunswick as well. Uh, she's an artist as well. She's a very talented artist. Um, and I kind of saw her doing the art thing and doing both. And that was my first hint, like, oh, you can actually do it. Like, she's doing phenomenal at it. Like, oh, so you can actually just paint and draw and tell people you love it and show up and it'll be successful. And yeah, so Ali Beckwith is incredible. Um, and uh, actually one from Halifax is a sh short presents, Kayla Short. She's fantastic. Yours. Yeah, I've connected with her this past year and um, did a course with her, actually. And yeah, so she kind of got me going on the influencer thing because at the time I was only doing the art stuff and um, I kind of got to know her a little bit better and did a course with her and learned that there's actually some science behind influencer marketing and uh, there's real work to be had. And yeah, so those two for sure. Yeah, I, I my perspective, Perspective on it is that it's actually a, just a type of marketing rule period yeah uh, it just happens to have a face behind it versus a say a, an agency but uh, yeah it's just marketing it's, a thousand percent and that's what I tell people because I'll still get like from family members who don't really understand the world like the minute you say the word influencer, unfortunately, yeah, there's people go, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, oh, geez, <laughs> like she thinks a lot of herself, doesn't she? And uh, I just explain it to them. I'm like, I'm a one woman marketing agency. Like, and I use that too when I'm defending uh, asking for when I give people like my rates and uh, ask them to be paid, which is mm -hmm. a struggle. And I make it clear, I'm like, look, I'm would you go over to a massive marketing agency and say, Hey, I'll give you a gifted product. Could you promote it? No, <laughs> no, no, you no. wouldn't. And so let me say I haven't done gifted collabs. Uh, usually if I have a relationship with the person creating the product, I'll work it out with them. Cause I really believe in supporting local businesses, small businesses. And I know that especially in a pandemic, everything's a bit tighter. Yeah. So not to say I haven't done it before, but when people kind of approach you and just assume that I'll just do it for the free stuff. It's like, mm, it's not free though. Like mm -hmm. I have to do all the work I have to, and I have to claim it. Like that's the whole side of it too. So yeah. it's never, there's no free lunch. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's never just, I'll gift you something and you do the work. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? Do you, this is something that I need to work on. Do you have like a media kit that you give out to clients and stuff like that? I don't actually have a media kit. Um, okay. It's, it's a back and forth thing. I know some influence, excuse me, some influencers have one, some don't. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a set kit because I do believe that every deal and every uh, partnership is going to be different and uh, you're going to have to negotiate on, because they might not have a budget immediately that fits into what my rates are. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I don't really have a set kit. I will just, if a brand reaches out, or I'll reach out to a brand and I'll just make it clear, like, here's my rate, but I'm willing to, it's open for discussion. Like, right. got you. Yeah. Got you. That's something that yeah. I've been contemplating doing for the podcast uh, because, you know, I get approached for partnerships periodically and, 
that I'm like, sure. oh, no, uh, I don't know how to, what to do. So I'm like, maybe I need to just actually sit down and think about this so that when the next one comes along, I yeah. am prepared. Yeah. Um, That's what I had to do. I have a website in the works coming. And uh, I'd say that was probably the hardest part of getting, because uh, I have somebody building because I'm my brain does not work that way. I have someone helping me build it. And they were like, okay, we need, I need all of your rights. And I'd listen. I, it took me so long to sit and actually go through and make sure I was uh, pricing my stuff correctly because granted, I don't have as large of a follower as some of these other uh, creators in Canada and New Brunswick. And so, yeah, it's, you really do have to just sit and focus. And if you're finding it difficult, then that's, it's okay. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I found it really hard to kind of whittle everything down to numbers. Yeah. And that's, so that I, I'm glad you brought the follower thing up because yeah, that's a, a very interesting thing. So as I've been messing around with all my multiple Instagram accounts, <laughs> they, they have different followings. And I, yeah. I and because I can't just post and walk away, I actually start looking at the engagement and oh yes, me too. And all that stuff. Yeah. And sometimes the smaller ones get more engagement than my biggest account. And it's like, yeah. this is interesting. And you try mm-hmm. to like figure out the psychology of why that is. And, and it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's it. And the whole focus on, the follower number has changed as well. Um, you don't uh, like there's terms like micro influencer now, which I'm not sure if I fall under that category or not, but uh, where brands are more interested if you have a engaged community as opposed to a large community. Meaning if they see that I have what, a little over 1200, but 1200 of those followers are engaging on every single post. They're commenting, they're asking where I got stuff. Like um, they'll be probably more in line to go with that. As opposed to if I had 20,000 and then maybe got 10 likes on a post, like they're paying more attention to engagement in an active community, as opposed to just somebody who has a massive, somebody went viral and has a massive following. And mm-hmm. um, because brands want to get their stuff into people's, homes and into their uh, lives and if people aren't responding to what you're posting then it's just a Mm non-starter yeah for sure for sure so i'm gonna put you on the spot um oh to influence uh some music people what are you listening to right now oh no uh (laughs) well i live with a five-year-old so the encanto soundtrack is on repeat (laughs) (laughs) And I know I'm not I'm on TikTok. I know I'm not the only one. Um, what was I, you know what? I was just thinking this morning that I had listened to Neon Dreams in a while. Mm-hmm. I wanted to listen to them again. Um, that makes me sound so cool. I'm really not. Um, <laughs> you know what? Because normally during the day, I'm cheating. I'm getting my phone out. Normally during the day, I am stuck listening to age appropriate For sure. music. Um, but like I said, I love to cook and I get excited for five o'clock because that's when it's time for me to start cooking. And, uh, that's when the kid music goes off and then my music goes on. And lately it's basically been anything I would have gone out to a club to in my (laughs) twenties. 
Um, so if I had like pregame to it, or if I had gone out dancing to it, then it's on my, it's, it's called my workout playlist, but it's turned into my cooking playlist as well. So, uh, basically anything from like 2000 to like 2015 or something like that. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So there you go. It's embarrassing, but there's the honest answer, but, but I find I don't really, I flip flop because one day I'll be listening to that. And then the next day I'll be listening to, um, like some folk indie stuff. Like, um, I love Aiden Towns. Um, been listening to him forever. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so I kind of flip flop. I'm all over the place. I always say as long as it's not like a, um, degrading or it's like just noise, then I will, I was raised in a musical family. So I'm pretty much, if it's musical, I'm down. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So your parents were like musicians? uh their hobbies um it's so funny when I was growing up I was so creative and drawing and I would look around like where did I even get this from like who where did I get this creative gene and now as an adult I turn I look back I'm like oh literally everyone in my family was creating they just weren't pursuing it my dad is a he was RCMP for 30 plus years he's now Mm -hmm. been retired for a few years and but in his off time he was a singer songwriter guitar player, piano player. Um, he's in a band, uh, which is hysterical, but he's, he's just the time of his life. And, uh, yeah, why not? Right. And my mom played piano, uh, my whole life. And I started in piano lessons. They lasted all of a couple of years. And I was (laughs) like, Nope, not for me. Um, and my mom was a seamstress. She was always sewing us like dress up stuff. And, uh, so you look back on it, and it's like, oh, oh, of course, like, of course I'm creative. Like, look at my parents. Um, but yeah, so I grew up listening to, well, a lot of country because I grew up in the middle of nowhere. So it's a very country where I grew up. Um, but yeah, I was just raised in, I tried piano, guitar, singing. Like we went to church. I sang in church all through my childhood and teen years. and. Um, Again, it was always something that I never really had a natural knack for. Like I had to work hard on it. It wasn't something that I was naturally gifted with, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was always very loud and fun growing nice. up because there was always some type of music playing. Nice, nice. I, I actually grew up with a, my dad's a musician and oh, wow. ironically, he never played music. I couldn't even tell you what type of music he listened to. Like, oh really it's, it's very weird like he kept that oh that's funny side of him very separate yeah and I, maybe that's a generational thing because like my dad as he got older it started to kind of calm down with the rcmps doing more desk positions and stuff uh he was getting more into it he bought himself like an at-home recording studio and wow. he started making cds and started doing like functions and stuff and but it was never a thought in his head to pursue it full time because he's mm-hmm. like, well, no, I've got a steady, totally understandable. He has a family so to support. Yeah. yeah. Totally understandable. But uh, it's amazing now that it's more of an option these days. I think that if you really want to pursue something like sure, you can, Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, mm-hmm. you, you could definitely see RCM. His job was his job, but we definitely saw what, the passion was for him and it was creating and making music 
still is. I say, I don't mean to put that in the past tense. It still is. He's still, he's so cute now that he's got grandkids. He will write Christmas songs uh, every year for the grandkids to learn. Oh, wow. And yeah, 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 yeah. So, and because of the pandemic, we haven't really been able to do it, but he would write a Christmas song. All the grandkids would learn it. Then we'd all go to a Christmas Eve service and the kids would perform it. Um, but unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we haven't really been able to do that. But um, mm-hmm. pardon me if I missed it, but you did, you said you were reading books. What, what books? Yes. So I'm currently reading um, The End of Her. Uh-huh. And it was gifted to me for Christmas. And it's like, it's it's kind of a, I think the t- the description of it was a suburban thriller. Okay. Like, and um, it's really, I don't have it here, but um, it's really good. And I struggle with books that are not like easy reading. Like if you really like, I'll be reading, I go, wait a minute, what, what? And I have to keep going back. And um, this author is, I'm so bummed. I don't have it here. I can't say her name, but uh, it's a very easy reading book. It's very quick, very streamlined, but it's basically like um, you meet a different person each chapter and then halfway through the book, they all start kind of, Oh, he knows her and she knows him. And like, you kind of realize that it's, they're all going to be intertwined by the end of the book. Um, Yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. And I've read a couple of really popular books. Basically this TikTok told me to read them. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the love hypothesis and the hating game, I finished okay. those ones. And those are great just because they're easy reading, they're light. And I think everything would be so stressful with the pandemic and everything that it was nice to just kind of dive into a couple like light, easy reading books and kind of escape for a little bit. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, so you're you're kind of in. I don't know if you would, well, they are kind of intersecting, but in some ways they're two different areas, but like Mm -hmm. what, what kind of advice would you give to someone pursuing say an illustration uh, career or, or an influencer or both? Yeah. Um, For the illustrator one, uh, I had to learn a lesson the hard way. And so anybody who's starting, um, I would beg them do not believe the lie of exposure. <laughs> and I think you, yes. I, was gonna I say, know that. <laughs> yes, you know it. You know it. Because somebody can show up and offer you the entire world for your work. And 999.999% of the time, you're going to get screwed. <laughs> yep. Um, I, yeah. And it's, it's like, and it's still fresh. Like I, when I started my page, I fell for it. And the only way it makes myself feel better. It's like, I know I'm not the only one who's fallen for it. And uh, I did a ton of work for somebody because I was just a new baby Instagram artist. And I was so excited to have an offer and yeah. Yeah. And uh, it went the way it always goes. And I did the work and was promised the world and I'm still waiting on the world to come. I'm, I'm sure it's going to come any day. <laughs> well, no, I went out and went out and got it myself, but yeah. So that's my big one for, if you're going to be an artist and it can be absolutely horrifying to stick up for yourself and say, well, okay, but yeah, sure. Let's do this, but here are my rates and I want this. And because, you know, the, the power that that person has is that they can say no and you're right back to where you started. 
and you don't know when the next offer is going to come. But I can guarantee you, if you say no to that one and then you get a paid one, it's going to feel so much better. It feels excellent. It- yes. And right. well, I was going to say for influencer, I would just say, um, just set healthy boundaries of what you're going to share and what you're not going to share. That's the big one. Yeah. Mm. That's my big one. You got to set healthy boundaries of who you're going to involve in it and who you're not going to. Um, because like I said, it's so tempting because so many people do it. They share every single thing in their lives and then a relationship might end and they have to go on. Like that drives me. I feel so bad for those people. I feel when, like, bad too. <laughs> I feel so bad. Like they're publicly with somebody and then it ends and they have to come on and talk about it. And, and I'm like, it's your own private business. Like you shouldn't, but because the followers feel entitled to it. Like they feel like we've been with you through this whole relationship. What happened? We deserve an explanation. And then you have to go like relive something online and it's online. Like anyone can see it. And so, yeah. So I would say just set boundaries. You might want to share how happy you are in the moment, but it might change. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident knowing that if anything changes in like my personal life or anything, my page will not so much be affected. Like, cause it's just very niched out and focused on mm-hmm. my styling and my illustrations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you think about the Kanye <laughs> Kim thing? Oh, <laughs> <sighs> Just reading the articles is exhausting. I can't imagine like living through it. Like, Oh yeah. Lord. Yeah, exactly. Like, if now I'm definitely not up to that level of eyes on me, but uh, yeah, just having to constantly go on and explain yeah. what's going on in your personal life. Like I'm not into it. Like, no, that's okay. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so how do people find you online? So I, I'm on Instagram. It's at emily.shoppingsoulmate. Um, I have a really good friend in marketing and my tag drives him crazy. <laughs> my username. Well, I made it and um, I made it by accident. I was filling out all the info for my page and I did my email address first and then hit like create. And I didn't realize I had to go up because it automatically puts it in your username. And I hit create. And then I looked at it, like, Oh my God, it's the beginning of my email address, Emily. <laughs> and yeah, he, he thinks it's too long. He's like, Em, your, your username's way too long. It's way too long. I'm like, it's too late. It's up. It is what it is. Um, and I'm on TikTok as well. That's a new one. I'm trying to figure that world out. Uh, and it's on TikTok, it's at Emily Shopping Soulmate. So it's the same with just no dot. Cool. Well, you've been doing yeah. short, short videos for a while. So I think it's I have, like- yeah. Uh, you'd think, um, oh, I, I've said okay. that, well, I said that TikTok kind of humbled me a little bit because I had been on Instagram, everything was going very well. And then I got on TikTok and I was like, oh no, you actually have to do the work here. You can't just post and expect it to be the same. This is my experience. I know some people uh-huh. post once and they hit and it takes off. But for me, like I've really had to focus down on my content and, um, the upside of that is that now I repurpose them and post them to Instagram and it's even more polished and focused. And, uh, so, you know, the hard work it shows, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to do any more hard work. <laughs> like I just want, can it just be easy for a minute? But, yeah. but, 
yeah. So, but Instagram is my main, is my main spot. Cause that's where all of this started. So. Cool. Well, Emily, uh, thank you for jumping on our Pisney. This was fun. Of course. This is great. Thank you for listening to our Pisney. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.